This podcast would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land on which we record, the Rwandri Woiwurrung people of the Kulin Nation. We pay our respects to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal elders and Torres Strait Islander communities who may be listening today. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Glitter and Gold, the original Steps podcast. This is the first podcast dedicated to discussing and dissecting the legacy of Steps, the UK's biggest mixed gender pop group of all time. We are your hosts. I am Shane, the Disney concert screaming fan. Turns out there was another person in the jet with H and Brittany and that was Scott. (laughs) Thought you'd like that one. Uh, Look, I would be in the private jet. (laughs) Very on brand for me. <laughs> uh, we also have Brad here, who's falling in love again, just like Mars and Venus. Hello, boys. How are we all? Very well, very well. I've been really good too, thanks. I've had a really big weekend because of Eurovision. Have you guys watched it? Actually, it's kind of taken over in my life last week, that's for sure. What did you do for it? Uh, I just watched it. I just got up early and watched it, but I was all, all for it, um, enjoying all the content coming out of Liverpool. And um, listening to Tattoo on repeat 700 times, it's, it's going to come up in my Spotify rap, wrapped at the end of the year, I reckon, for sure. Will it push Steps out? Oh, I don't know if it will push Steps out, um, but it will definitely be as one of the top five songs for me, I reckon. Now, Scott, we'll say this slowly so you understand. Eurovision is a singing... <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you. I actually watched it for the first time in probably like I I do watch it but I normally just watch so in Australia we just get it you can either watch it live in the really early hours of the morning or you can watch like a a repeat earlier like in the evening on the Sunday but I actually got up at like six o'clock in the morning on the Sunday to to catch sort of the second half of it which I've never done that before and I was pleasantly surprised I was really enjoying like most of the songs were top tier like I was really enjoying the show and I think Liverpool did an incredible job and kind of we should also just point out because we're talking about this this episode isn't going out we're recording this episode quite early because I'm going away so we're talking about Eurovision so people will be like um that was like ages ago so just a preference we're recording this a few days after Eurovision but uh, with this episode isn't going to be going out until about the first or second week of June. So we're not, um, we're not just that far behind in Australia. Like, <laughs> <laughs> just happened. <laughs> Contrary to popular belief. Exactly. Yeah. 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 No. So I, I really enjoyed it. Um, and of course we had Claire, when she did the Eurovision gig, um, she performed Euphoria. That was from Eurovision by Doreen. <laughs> I was about to ask, is her name Doreen or is it Loreen? Have you, have you figured out her name yet? <laughs> If you listen to our top five episode, you will know that joke. So Doreen from Prisoner sings at Eurovision. It was nice to see Doreen perform at Eurovision this year. She did a great job and she was a deserving winner. I'm a little bit disappointed that neither of you have mentioned, you know, anything to me about what I was wearing on Eurovision night. I know one of you saw the story. Uh, uh, I, I know <laughs> what you were wearing. Jesus, I need to understand that. Can we understand? <laughs> We just hadn't gotten there yet, but I think we should put it up on the socials, um, aka Pizza Slice. Is that what you came as? What is that in reference to, though? Well, we all have to dress up as a, as a different country, and so I went to Italy. Oh, oh 
right. Okay, that makes more sense now. I was just a little sexy slice of pizza with high heels. <laughs> I'll say slice of pizza. I, I will admit the adjective out of that in my... No, I'm Brad. I'm just being a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Sucks for you, I'm doing the edit <laughs> I'm keeping that in I'm bolding the sexy I definitely did wonder I didn't think it was a Eurovision Like I didn't make the connection So I, I did think Why are you dressed as a pizza in high heels? Like I, I was like just Are you just a slutty pizza in a pizza dress costume? <laughs> yes! A gay pizza That was the brief Right, well you nailed the brief You nailed it We also did like a mini Eurovision scoreboard Did someone give you a deuce point? I did get a couple of deuce points And you know, I didn't even have to sleep with them Although maybe I did (laughs) That's for the Patreon uh, After Dark version of uh, the podcast (laughs) The up late (laughs) Yeah, the up late The the Big Brother Uncut version (laughs) We will share the photo on socials though Bradley, what is going on in the Steps world? At the moment, give us the 411. As of recording, we've had a few birthdays. As you all know, we had Lately Turned 20. And if you haven't listened yet, please go check out our hashtag Lately 20 Inventing Hun Culture episode. We also had DJ and Someone Like You Turn 21. And the band themselves, Steps, Turned 26. I just feel really old. Older by years, she was. Oh, here we go. (laughs) Track seven. (laughs) Track seven. Excellent. Excellent segue. That took... What, three minutes? <laughs> Speaking of H, he's another one who celebrated a birthday that you just omitted from the uh, from the birthday call out there. So happy birthday to H. Happy birthday, H. And at the moment, he's focusing on his art. So go check out his art page at Ian H. Watkins Art on Instagram. He's doing some amazing stuff. Like, he's really, really talented as an artist. Yeah, he's. I'm glad that he's had, you know, now that his kids are a little bit older, he's got time to, you know go back into something that he clearly loves doing. He's also continuing with his DJ gigs, which he normally does over the summer. And he has his radio show on BBC Wales on Friday night. He also did something, I don't actually know what it was. Did he do, I think he did a live crossover for BBC Wales uh, for Eurovision as well. I did see on Instagram. He did, yeah. So it was nice to see both H and Claire kind of part of the the Eurovision weekend in some way. Speaking of Claire, I loved her. She looked fantastic. She sounded fantastic. I need that version of So Emotional. Steve, I need that version of So Emotional. <laughs> yes, you we know he we know you listen, Steve. We need it. But we need that cover of Euphoria. Oh my god. Release it on iTunes already. That song was made for her. Absolutely made for her. I really wonder with these songs that she's covered like we, she's got some summer gigs coming up and she posted a photo on her socials the other day in front of a microphone. Like what's something's bloody coming. Yeah. I mean, we know, we know that is an album, like we know that, that the second album is in the works and coming, but I feel like I do feel like something is coming like soon, like really soon. I think it's something's coming really soon. So let's manifest that. Lisa is by now will have done Mighty Hoopla, but, I need to rewind back a few weeks to when we we're recording this and that photo of her on the throne for coronation night. That is queen. <laughs> she she knows what she's doing and I love it. That's absolute queen behavior right there. That was amazing. I'm so excited to see what she does at Mighty Hoopla. I do hope she does an album track or two. Boy on the Dance Floor. Sleazy. <laughs> I mean, all amazing songs. She has done Boy on the Dance Floor a few times before, so she has a routine for that. You know, there are fans involved, like, 
I wouldn't be surprised. You never know what the future holds. Well, we will know by by the time this goes out, we will have happened. <laughs> <laughs> Who knows? As mentioned in last episode, Faye is performing at the West End Proms doing our dancing on the June 25th. <laughs> <laughs> and she's also playing Maggie Jones in the 42nd Street musical from July 13th, touring all over the UK. Check out whatsonstage.com for all the dates. But um, if you are going, please take a photo, send it to us. We'd love to see. Tell us what it was like. Give us, give us some feedback. Yes, yes. And lovely Lee is laying low and enjoying family life. Good on him. He deserves it. Uh, didn't he have some charity soccer thing, though? Wasn't there some charity soccer thing? He was supposed to, and then he pulled out of it at the last minute. Ah, uh, okay. So I don't know what was going on there. But um, yeah, it was. I think it was, at the time of recording this, it was on the weekend just gone. And he didn't end up doing it for whatever reason. I want to just touch on Steps Turning 26. It was really lovely just to see all the stuff on socials from them and from other from the other fans that follow our page and all the messages of memories and love and everything like that that they have provided to us for the last 26 years. So I just wanted to mention that again because I thought it was worth mentioning. Uh, and they also, I love that photo they always bring out when they first met. Faye with the copper pants and Claire in the blue jumpsuit. Um, I was going to say um, that, what was I going to say? How many vodkas have you had, Dal? <laughs> Just four. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's what I was going to say. We, as every episode, we continue to manifest Step 125. Yep. Who knows? I mean, this we're recording this, as I've said, quite a, a few weeks before it's going out. You know, maybe something's happened by then. I don't know. But, you know, if it hasn't, we continue to manifest it. Don't forget to pre-order Never On Now at Plastic Pop Records as well. Um, That will be coming out in August. And yeah. Scott, do you want to tell us a bit about what we're doing this week? Sure thing, Bradley. Bradley Cooper. (laughs) Bradley Cooper. (laughs) So look, we have done... We've done two episodes now um, covering the steps journey in Australia. So we've done the step one and Steptacular eras. So if you haven't had a chance to listen to those episodes go back and and uh, catch up so we thought before we kind of move into the buzz and gold era which we will get to before the end of the year we we haven't forgotten we kind of thought that this was the right time to look at the steps uh, the steps history in america because things kind of started to happen for steps around that sort of bridging period between step one and steptacular so we really thought that given that we've kind of covered those two step one and steptacular in australia Let's now look at um, America because, you know, I think Steps gave it a really good red hot crack in America, especially in the early stages. They've got a really amazing loyal fan base in America. Mm. And we also, from a viewership, uh, listenership perspective, America is our third biggest uh, country of listeners after the UK and Australia. So we didn't want to leave our American fans out. We wanted them to have their moment. So we thought, let's do a Steps in America episode. And it is even more fitting because uh, we're recording this a few weeks before I'm going on holiday and I'm going to the US of A for a week. I'm going to New York. So it just felt like the right time because I'm making it all about me. (laughs) (laughs) It's the uh, Party Girl 69 Does America tour. (laughs) Shane, you, before we started recording, you actually had a really great uh, quote from Claire about why they decided to go to America and, you know, make a shot there. Yeah. So in doing some um, follow-up research for this episode, I was watching a couple of documentaries and one of them I watched was the Disney concert that they did. And Claire says at the start that 
they wanted to cut they left America to last to try and conquer it because they wanted to come to America to come with a story after they had done sort of step one and done really well in the UK and Australia they want to come to America with a story and I really I quite like that you kind of also need that a little bit in America it's a hard market to crack if you're not from there as well and I, I think they, they they did that they came to America with a story so we waited to come to America till last because we wanted to have a story to tell we wanted to have a bit of a success story to tell and I think we've got that now we've we've sold three million albums worldwide we've kind of we've been everywhere and America to us is just another challenge. Every story needs a, a kickoff point and I guess that story is for them is their tour with Britney Spears and that was how they sort of kicked it off in America. Fun fact about the whole Steps and Britney Spears connection they actually met in Singapore in 1998 at a Jive Records uh, they apparently it's called the Asian Music Conference but we're not 100% sure there are some actually some really cool videos of Britney singing at these on YouTube, like her singing Baby One More Time and Sometimes Live, which is just an interesting relic. Mm. It just feels like another world. Like when you think about that time now, like imagine just in 98 steps and Britney Spears just in this like small room at an Asian music conference, just hanging out. And Britney hadn't, I probably hadn't even released at that point. It was about to, and it's just like wild to think about that time when that was happening to now it's it's just wild so both of them were part of the jive family and so the opportunity came about for steps to support britney on the tour on her first american tour the baby one more time tour which they did between july and august and again i've got to give credit to the band where it's due they timed this so well this first little tour because they had released love's got a hold of my heart i think a few days before they went out so like no one forgot them in the UK because they had pre-recorded a whole bunch of stuff. And we know from reading Claire's book that it was a really unifying time for the band, you know, being on a bus for six weeks. Some of them were. <laughs> <laughs> Don't bring up the past. I was on the private jet with Brittany. <laughs> Triggered. It'll trigger people. In the music world, there's always that PR. The story was like, Brittany asked for steps to come on tour, blah, blah, blah. And, and Claire mentioned in her book that, you know, the story was Brittany remembered us from a show we'd done in Singapore a couple of years before yeah. and asked if we could support her. I'm sure that was just a bit of record industry hype because as much as you would think oh, you would like to wish that Brittany was sitting there one day, and, you know, five, six, seven, eight comes on the radio. She's like, oh, get <laughs> steps on my tour now. As much as you would think that would be what would happen. It would literally have been, okay, they're on the same label. They wanted to launch Steps in America. Let's make it happen. Um, but, you know, the story of Britney, you know, wanting Steps to be on the tour is a great PR story. And we, we wish that it was true. But I think the reality is what Claire mentioned in a book that it was just a bit of industry hype to, you know, good PR, good PR. But what a great story to tell. Exactly. Absolutely. And I don't have a quote for this. I, someone said at one point that Britney Spears didn't actually remember Steps' name. She called them the Yellow Band. <laughs> <laughs> Bananas in pajamas. Do you guys remember that? I've never, and I don't remember that quote, no. I have never heard that, but that's, I, I would believe it, like, the yellow band. Yeah, so while Steps are in America, obviously they're doing the Britney tour, which was amazing, but the decision was made to also, you know, let's get some music out there, let's release the album, let's release the single. So the debut single in America, as we all know, was One for Sorrow, but it was that Tony Moran remix.
which um, also ended up getting a release further years down the line in lots of other territories in lots of different releases, which we've talked about or we'll talk about in other episodes. But uh, yeah, it was released in America on the 3rd of August, 1999, and it didn't quite hit the top 100 on the Billboard Hot 100, but it did chart at number 38 on the US Dance Chart. And I got to say, I I mean, we've talked about this before, but I love that Tony Moran remix. Same. And you can kind of see, you know, really when you look at it, back then, if any band was going to America and releasing, it was kind of just like expected that there was going to be reshoots of videos and there was going to be different mixes because uh, God knows why, but you know, everything needed to be Americanized. So, you know, they just, that's what they decided to do. Yep. All Saints also did it with Never Ever. Five did it. I know their videos were different. So it was just the thing at the time. And Lisa and Lee also mentioned in the, I think it was the Disney documentary they talked about how they obviously wanted to Americanize them and bring in, you know, American choreographers. Robin Anton, who, of the Pussycat Dolls, I didn't realize this, choreographed this video, which I did not know that. That is incredible. Um, But Lee says, you know, we're we're not going to change who we are just for a different market. So, um, you know, they, they tried, but ultimately steps are steps and you can't change who they are. And I think if you do look at the US video as much as it is Americanized, Mm. they still shine through as steps. You know, it doesn't look separate from the steps that we know. It still, it still fits as a, you know, in their discography. Yeah. It just frames them through the lens of their American counterparts, I guess. Can't Stop the Pop, which we called out last episode. Fantastic website. Cannot recommend reading their reviews of songs enough. But they made a really good point that uh, the video provides a really interesting glimpse. I can't say that word, but we'll keep that in. <laughs> at what the group could have been like in a parallel parallel universe if they'd been an American band. Because you still get that steps appeal, but it's just that little bit different. It's got that American gloss, you know? It's got that, it's filmed like a little bit differently. Do you reckon there's a bit more of a American maturity? Yeah. Like they're in a nightclub surrounded by adults. Like it's very much, it's not, you know... Britney was there. Fake news. (laughs) (laughs) Allegedly. Allegedly. (laughs) Shane, I think from memory that you thought it was her. It really looks like Britney when it cuts to it. I think it does. But I would have thought that if if Britney was in it, that would have been promoted at the time through all the media to hype up the song. Or Britney's in the film clip as well kind of thing, you know? So I don't know. Let the fans think it's Britney. The other thing when they were in America, obviously back then you couldn't just as steps you know, jump on Instagram and let everyone know what you were doing. So as a way to keep the UK fans engaged and know what they were up to, especially because at the time, while they were in America, like like you said, Brad, they were still, you know, they were still on a release schedule in the UK. Love's Got a Hold of My Heart had just come out. Um, After the Love Is Gone was coming up soon and Steptacular was not too far behind and they had the next step live tour to go straight to from the Britney tour, basically. So there's a great documentary online called Andy Meets Steps, which is where Andy Peters went to America and spent some time with Steps to kind of, you know, just to see what they were up to. And, um, you know, there's a lot of great backstage um, footage from them on the Britney tour. You know, they all go shop. They all go on a shopping spree in an American mall and buy some very bizarre 1999 <laughs> things. Um, but yeah, I thought that was really cool as well. You just got to see um, a little bit of what was going on in the US for the fans, because if you look at other success stories of America, 
something that I think Steps did really well that maybe the likes of Bewitch didn't was that when Bewitch went to America, they really just kind of abandoned the UK, which is something that Bewitch have mentioned as well, that they really went to the US and they focused solely on the US. Um, and so I think that was maybe Steps learning from that mistake and making sure that they were keeping the UK audience engaged at the same time. It was such a different market then because like, in 2022 or 2023 kind of standards, I think Bewitch were in America for, what, maybe six months total. They were still releasing music in early 999, and then Jesse Hold On came out, like, late. Like, it wasn't, in actuality, a long break. Mm. I have a bone to pick with that documentary from Andy Peters, and that's because Andy Peters, and this is the narrative of the British media against Steps at the time, is Steps were... And they have said this themselves many times that they were seen as that no one really took them seriously. So even at the start of that documentary, Andy Peters is like, I'm here in St. Louis to see steps as they try to crack the American market. Is it time that someone took steps seriously or something like that? He says. So is it finally time to take steps seriously? Uh, yeah, it is time you took steps seriously, mate, as the fans have and as the British media should have as well. Um, and it's just, you know upsets me because you know they should have been is all and i think the band will agree with me when i say this so yeah i think the press confused taking the band taking themselves seriously versus taking their success seriously even in that documentary i think faye says we don't take ourselves seriously it's not so much about them it's about the press not like respecting their success the tour sales that's what i mean do you think there are still people out there that see your music as a joke yeah oh yeah but then again i mean it is a laugh it's for a laugh that's what it's kind of designed for as well some people may take it seriously but it is it is for fun we're not trying to make people like us you know if people like us that's fine we get people you know in enemy and stuff they just just put us down so much yeah i mean there's yeah, so many nice different though. types of music and if you don't like us we'll choose somebody else yeah but the people in the beginning they said oh it's a one-hit wonder novelty single then yeah. to like six million seller album to the biggest pop arena tour ever yeah. and we're still here because they started with a novelty song the media has always framed them as, as this novelty act like i think about some people ask me well why weren't steps performing at the coronation and i think it's because and this is just me speculating. It's like, well, I agree. They're a fantastic UK band that could have showcased some UK music. Everyone loves them, right? But why weren't they asked to perform at the coronation? You never know. They may have been and they said no. Mm. But you know what, Shane? Who is laughing now, 26 years later? Who is still having number one albums? Who is still selling out arenas? Correct. Who, you know what I mean? Like, who is laughing now? Correct. I just, you know... I'm on their side, and I just think that they should have been given more kudos when needed. So yeah, yeah. But they have they are having the last laugh. So so following the that release of One for Sorrow and then being on the tour, Step One was actually initially going to be released on my birthday, October twelfth, but it was pushed back because the group got a really interesting and great opportunity that paid off massively for them. Mm -hmm. They were offered a Disney special alongside the band Youngstown. I mean, I'm, I'm interested to know, do we know if that is the reason, um, why do you think? Because I was, I was looking at, I've got the US um, single and promo in front of me, and yeah, it states that the album was supposed to be released on the 12th of October, and it's actually even got the original, like, you know, the, the normal step on artwork as opposed to what America got. I, I wonder if there was, because if you look at it, 
when Juan Fasori was out that time when they were on tour with Britney, that kind of seems like the logical time of when it should have been released. When they were in America, they were doing promo, they were getting their name out there. Juan Fasori was sort of doing what it needed to do in in some degree. They were on the Drive Me Crazy soundtrack, which we, we didn't even mention. Obviously, Juan Fasori was on the, the Drive Me Crazy soundtrack, um, which was also out around the same time that that was released on the 1st of October. So if you think about it, it kind of feels like that would have been the the best time to release the album. I think what happened, Scott, was, and I'm crediting uh, the amazing Chris Fox at Gen Steps, their archives, which they recently relaunched. Uh, looking at the articles, unfortunately, it seems like maybe the song, even though it did well in the dance charts, hadn't picked up in the way the record company had liked at the time, and the record company probably felt that another push was needed. Mm. And this Disney special, um, I know... In 2023, it doesn't seem like a big deal, but a year earlier in 1999, it actually made NSYNC big in the US. Yeah, it was what broke them in America, that Disney special. So it really can't be like, that was a big thing. And we'll, when we talk about the album, like it, it did pay off massively for the band. The special was filmed in the middle of the Next Steps live tour. So there was a week or two break in the middle between the first leg and the second leg. So they went back to LA. They literally had like, n- like not even a week gap between shows because obviously the next step live tour kept getting extended. Um, and so they had this gap where they went back to LA, filmed this and then went back and kept touring. Also along, um, along this time, they were still considering other opportunities like a sitcom. They met with Debbie Allen, mm. who's on Grey's Anatomy now. That's right. I remember that. We've got a TV show. Yes. yes. I hear. Yes. About a British band trying to break them out. No, that's, oh, another one. No. that's another one. Too. So you got two. Well, that, that one you're talking about is not definite yet. There's right. just a few, the there's lots line. of rumours flying about and we've had a couple of discussions about it, but mm-hmm. nothing's definite yet. So after they filmed the Disney special in November, they decided to release some more music. So they released Tragedy. Uh, that was released on the 18th of January 2000. Um, the music video that they used for Tragedy was the Next Step Live performance that they recently um, had toured in the UK. And it pegged at number 27 on the sales chart, um, the Billboard charts over there. Good result. Do we know... If it was the dance charts or just the Billboard chart, dance charts. So it was the Billboard sales, CD sales chart. We'll take it. We'll take it. And then not long after, they released Step 1, finally. That was released, instead of being released on the 12th of October, it was released on the 8th of February 2000. It debuted on the Billboard charts at number 171 with a peak of 79. It had the same style and cover as Steptacular. Um, and it was released while the band were uh, in Australia or... And some of them were left in Thailand. <laughs> Allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> Throwback to our episode. <laughs> if you haven't listened to it, you should. Um, the track listing is a hybrid of Step 1 and Steptacular with all singles up to Deeper Shade of Blue, excluding Better Best Forgotten. It included the US mix of One for Sorrow, which was their lead single, um, and Stay With Me. Uh, essentially, it was a, a best of um, of the sort of two albums so far so stay with me was um this is one that you know scott doubted my steps history <laughs> we we had a little argument off uh, off air clawed each other's eyes out <laughs> but we've 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 fixed we've sorted it out the reason that we hypothesized that stay with me was featured on the album was because it was written by uh co-written at least by mutt lang who was shania twain's partner slash writing partner and around this time you know, Shania Twain was having a really big success with Come On Over. So I guess there's kind of that connection to make. And 
to be fair, when you do listen to it, you do get a little bit of that like Shania Twain-ism in there, like the male vocals in the background. Like it does, I can see it in that kind of realm. So it does make sense for an Americanized version. Mm. And they really did kind of, it's funny, I never really noticed this before because Stay With Me on the album is the only song that isn't a, that wasn't a single. So it's sort of like, like Shane said, it's a best of plus Stay With Me added on. But the Stay With Me was also the B-side to the Tragedy single in America. So I didn't really realise that it was sort of bizarre, like kind of being pushed, I guess, um, and didn't didn't know that connection to the, the Shania Twain connection. So I do wonder if there was a little bit of that going on, even if not everyone would get it. Yeah, I didn't know that connection until we started doing some further research to this for this episode. Because it's a cover, isn't it? Who sung the original? Uh, Blower's Daughter in 19... 19- no, sorry. Romeo's Daughter in 1988. Whose daughter? Blower's. <laughs> <laughs> isn't that like the name of a song or something? The Blower's Daughter by Damien Rice. Yeah, no, it's a thing. I wasn't like being inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not just mentioning Blow for, you know... Hey, Shane, blow. Blow his daughter. Swallow. Just did some ASMR there for you, peeps. The original version is very different. Like, it's very goth, rocky, like, edgy, you know? Very different to the version we got. And after the release of Step 1, we had the airing of the Disney special. That was filmed in November, um, but then the air date for that was on February 19. I reckon they aired it specifically then to bolster further album sales. Speaking of this Disney special, I was watching this recently, obviously for this episode, because I've seen it before, but I hadn't watched it for ages. (laughs) And I don't know why I didn't notice this the first time. There's a couple of fans, obviously they're some some fellow gays, um, and they're they're either, obviously, maybe it's David from Chicago, maybe it's him. Shout out to you, David. Hi, David. (laughs) Shout out, David. Hey, David. They're, They're just going absolutely bonkers for... Uh, for the song, any song that they do, as they should, as they should, I agree. Um, I love watching the US fans uh, do the do the dances and all the screaming, the absolute screaming. Like myself, I would have been the same. You still are now, yeah. <laughs> True, screaming everything I am. But what I loved about the Disney special is there was a band, mm. and they had some backing singers. And the songs, um, I mean, they've Americanized it for that reason. And I quite enjoyed it. And I was like, oh, I wish there was like a live version of this because I kind of want these these versions of these songs just to have something different to listen to, you know? It was really nice to hear because back then we never really heard them sing live. It was really rare. Mm. And I was the same as you, Shane. I'd watch this a while because I, I, I'm sure it aired here. I remember seeing it. Don't get me started on that. Would have been on Foxtel. It wasn't on Foxtel. I had Foxtel. It was, no, sorry. <laughs> I might be getting it mixed up with the Nickelodeon one that was. Um, but the, I love that. Yeah. I love that. There was just that added element of instruments on the production. Cause there was a live band. There was that mixture of like, there was some miming, but it was a mixture of both. And I love the harmonica on five, six, seven, eight. Mm-hmm. I actually, I actually really enjoyed it. I was like, I don't mind five, six, seven, eight like this. It was really punchy. And it's a shame that we didn't get more of that. Cause I think in the tours back in the day, it was pretty much always sort of, um, just backing track. 
but I really enjoyed seeing that production on these songs. Mm. Your question had aired on Ozstar, which was like an alternative to Foxtel. Oh God, Ozstar! Jesus, that's a throwback. I was very upset they didn't have it at the time because I could see in like, remember when you used to get a paper like TV guide, and I could see in there being like, "Please, can I watch it?" In that voice. <laughs> so I either do baby voice or sing in every episode, don't I? I also love with this um with this doco. Just there was like elements again where, you know, because obviously it was a bit, it was like an introduction to Steps in America. So it was pretty much like, you know, everyone was sort of talking about, you know, who, what this member's like, you know, oh, Lisa's, you know, the party girl and Claire's like the mother and all that. But then there was this beautiful like clips of them in Venice Beach and they've got a day off and, you know, Lisa gets a henna tattoo and then they just start singing tragedy with some like random street performer on rollerblades with a guitar. This is your social media challenge. In go to Venice Beach and find some random person on the street and do tragedy. All right, doll. I'm not going to LA this time, but I could go to what's the beach in New York? Fire Island. Uh, no, what, what's it called? P- Coney Island. Coney Island. If he goes to Fire Island in June, he ain't going to be filming for steps. I can tell you that right now. Maybe <laughs> 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 something else for the social media, but it won't be for steps. Not, not for the steps collection social media. That's for sure. Maybe for Twitter, doll. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! But back on the album, um, I think that you know, Steps in America. Okay, they didn't have you know the top ten albums and all of that sort of stuff, but. Considering at this time, if you think about Steps in February 2000, they had just done an extensive UK tour. They had done like the biggest, you know, pop concert of like all time at that stage. They had just released the album uh, in the UK. They had, you know, also just toured America around at the same time. They were then trying to also cover other territories. So they were in Australia at the same time this was going on and doing um, promotion in Asia. They were then about to start promo for Deeper Shaded Blue at the same time as start rehearsals for the next arena tour Mm. and on top of that record um, the Buzz album. So there was a hell of a lot going on at this time. God knows how they actually did it all if you really look at it now. So considering there was so much going on at the time to get – a an album that charted in the top 100 in america which not everyone has that no they don't agreed pretty damn good my favorite thing that i found as part of the research was that it sold in excess of 200,000 copies in america wow that's probably close to their sales in australia i just think that this doesn't get sort of celebrated enough and i know lee i always remember lee's always really positive about the american thing i know and there's been interviews in the past where he's always said kind of what I've said, like, you know, we got a, a top 80 album in America, like how good, you know, when I think sometimes, you know, the others sort of say, oh, you know, whatever, but you know, I'm, I'm with Lee on this. Like, I think, I still think it's a great achievement that the band, considering what they had up against them in terms of, you know, they never ever really had, you know, radio support and things like that. So to still get this chart position and those sales mm. um, from 
basically having to work from the ground up to build hype themselves. Great. Amazing. It's a very hard market to crack for, um, it's either girl groups or boy groups. That's it. Or solo artists. It's not mixed sex. The only one that has kind of cracked it, and I don't think they cracked it initially to start with, is ABBA. They were initially popular everywhere else before they were popular in America. And I think they became more popular years later when Mamma Mia came out and the 90s and so forth. But it's very hard for a, a mixed sex group to, to break it in the US, I think. And so I think they've done exceptionally well um, with their targeted release. You know, it wasn't like, I mean, A, this was, I would say it was still quite successful, but there were still signs of life in that period because around that time you had the 18s come and they got some headway with uh, their song Upside Down. Oh, I love that song. They got heavy rotation on Disney and Nickelodeon and that kind of proved that there was still a potential audience there. Is that the same for S Club 7 as well? Because like, they had their, their series was in Miami, like in America, wasn't it? I mean, that's actually a good point, Shane, as well, that at that time um, S Club's albums were all, I think they were all released there. They, they I think they had... I think the first album in America kind of did probably similar to Steps. Uh, S Club only went to 112. Still a great success. We love S Club 7. Well, that just tells you the power of Steps. Again, Steps deserve their kudos. And that's what we are doing. As always. So following the Step 1 era, Steps actually went back to America in August 2000 to work with some American producers to make some material for their third album that might have more of an international appeal. They worked with the duo Rip Rock and Alex on songs Buzz and Happy Go Lucky, who had worked on No Strings Attached for NSYNC. Particularly, I want to call out Digital Get Down, because that song is still a bit of a banger. What's that song? Digital, digital, get down. song i will go and listen after although it won't sound as good as your rendition there (laughs) (laughs) but they also worked with andy goldmark who wrote crush for jennifer page as well oh my goodness me when i i did not know this until i read our notes i that is actually i mean apart from any step song that is probably my most favorite 90s song really i adore that yeah I, i listen to it Every week, like for the last 20, however many years. I adore that song. Get down. Hold on, Scott's got his book out. <laughs> I've just got uh, the fabulous Claire Richards All of Me book right in front of me. I'm just going to read a quote from uh, page 114 that is related to uh, to what we are talking about. Because I actually found this really interesting uh, because I adore Happy Go Lucky and Buzz. Um, but Claire says, after the spectacular tour finished, we went to New York for a couple of weeks in August to record some tracks for our next album, Buzz, which was due for a release in the autumn. The songs we recorded there were awful, <laughs> the worst we'd ever done. It was the first time we'd recorded outside of uh, PWL, and it felt like the tracks had been written for a US artist and rejected. One of them, Happy Go Lucky, was really similar to a Britney song, but not nearly as good. I felt the quality of the songs was poor compared to what we'd already done. Now, I find that quote really interesting because I personally feel if you look at the first three Steps albums, Buzz is probably the most cohesive body of work in terms of genre and sound. And I actually think that Buzz is, maybe this is controversial, I think Buzz is their strongest album from the early days 
because it just has that it has a more of a it just flows a bit better it has it's more cohesive and it just it feels like it has a theme and i think i love happy go lucky and i love buzz i think they're amazing pop tracks and i'd be interested to know what her thoughts are now about these songs compared to when she wrote that the book sort of 12 years ago um but it's interesting that she kind of um doesn't you know that she felt that way about those songs so i think they're great i disagree with you about the the album sounding cohesive to me it sounds like an album in three parts you've got the topham and twig the solo songs and then the american stuff but i do agree that it's probably their best body of work before their later stuff yeah i still th- i mean i know that with the pwl stuff on the buzz album i still feel that there is a an american American, t- I mean, you'll be sorry is PWL, but to me that sounds like an American track, you know, like I just feel like it sits really well with here and now and with, you know, happy go lucky and, and bars like it. I don't know. I just, I've always felt like that album has just been a real strong collection of songs that, that fit together compared to the first two. You know, you boys are not the first fans to say that I've got a few, um, you know, friends from the UK and so forth who've said the same thing that, that, Buzz is their best album from the early days anyway. Mm. Um, although I disagree a little bit with you there, Scott. I think You'll Be Sorry is a bit more of a Euro dance number. The US um, edition of Buzz, it was originally um, penciled in for release in April of 2001, but then it was moved to sort of the or July, August of 2001. And I think similarly to the when we were talking about Step 1 in the Disney special, I think the reasoning was they had an opportunity to record a Teen Nick special, which they went to America to film between the 30th of April and the 5th of May. And as Steps have said before, their strategy was never to spend too much time in America at any one moment so that they could avoid, I guess, that bewitch syndrome that we talked about um, previously. And similarly as well with Step 1, the original idea was that they were going to launch the album um, with the Teen Nick special and It's The Way You Make Me Feel was originally meant to lead the album in America. The song was serviced to, uh, at least we know it was serviced to Disney Radio, um, but it was pretty much short-lived and it was never commercially or physically released and I, I kind of, I think it kind of fizzled pretty quickly Um, And then a decision was made to go with a completely new song. But it was around, it's interesting when you look at this sort of early start of 2001 that S Club 7 had just had a top 10 single with Never Had a Dream Come True in America, um, which is probably why when you look at It's The Way You Make Me Feel and then later when we talk about Mars and Venus, which was the American lead single, that obviously ballads at the time were maybe the way to go. So maybe there was a conscious decision there where Jive thought, okay, we've seen what S Club 7 have done. Let's try and mirror that with steps. So before they released that brand new unheard track, the Teen Nick special aired on the 22nd of July, hosted by Nick Cannon, famous for having a lot of children and marrying Mariah Carey. <laughs> I was going to say, is that Mariah Carey? That's the only reason I know him, Mariah Carey's ex-husband. They performed Stomp, Here and Now, Summer of Love, and the US version of One for Sorrow. Um, weirdly enough, they didn't do It's The Way You Make Me Feel, even though it was meant to be the single. And I don't know if you guys read about this. You know me, you know where my sources are. <clears throat> Pop Justice. Uh, they were also rumoured to have performed Buzz, um, and maybe even Paradise Lost, 
but we never saw it. I don't know if that's true, but that was one of the rumors. Someone in the audience claimed that they saw that. I've definitely always heard that. And I feel like it would have made sense, right? Like that they would have done it. Buzz is so American. Like that song just screams America. So it would have made total sense if they had performed it. Um, but yeah, for whatever reason, if they did perform it, they never used it. With Paradise Lost, though, um, that would have been interesting because it, I mean, it's not actually on the US album. So if they had performed that as well, I mean, it probably makes sense that they didn't air it, right? They also had clips of uh, the band teaching some, I don't know, teen kids the here and now dance routine. Oh my God. And the strangest, like they did a bubble popping segment. <laughs> I remember this. So random. Lisa won it, which is so Lisa. Of course. I the prize. And it did air in Australia on Nickelodeon, Australian Nickelodeon. I definitely very vividly remember recording it um, on a video and playing it for God, probably years on end. Um, it's not, the whole thing isn't on YouTube. It's really frustrating. The here and now performance is on YouTube, but the entire, um, special isn't which is a which is a shame if only i hadn't probably thrown out that video it'll pop up on youtube again one day like it's just you know the rights get taken down so like it's definitely been up there before i've seen the whole thing shame what are your do you have any memories or thoughts on this one i had just turned 18 literally i got my license like probably my my driver's license like a month before this so i was not at home watching television (laughs) i was out and certainly not nickelodeon (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Certainly not Nickelodeon. Um, oh, look, I, you know, keeping up with the forums and stuff online. I always wanted to be a Nick kid. I wanted to get slimed. <laughs> well. <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. It is true. <laughs> well, I mean. There's many ways I could answer that, Bradley. <laughs> I wanted to get slimed. Please leave that in and we'll just leave it there. And you, you as an audience can take your imaginations run let it run wild what i will say i don't have like i I remember watching it i enjoyed it but what i thought was so smart researching this was that they only actually spent i remember thinking they spent a lot of time in america in that year but they really literally only spent that week and they got in they had a specific strategy do the special release the album around the same time it worked for step one we'll do it again for buzz and they got on with it. Then then they, they went back and reclaimed the UK because that was the longest break they took between It's the Way You Make Me Feel in January and Here and Now in the first week of um, June. So they squeezed a lot in, as you said earlier, Scott. And it's kind of no wonder when you look at it as to why, you know, there was burnout with the band. Because if you, you think about just how much they were cramming in by this point, you know, probably doing you know 50,000 things at once if they were going to America for like two days to film a special in between you know rehearsing for another arena tour or releasing a single or filming a music video or doing endless performances on you know UK morning TV or doing you know magazine shoots for smash hits or doing this and that like there was just so much going on that it's amazing to look back that they even managed to somehow form this American journey at the same time and make it look like you said, Brad, like they had been in America for, for months on end when it had literally, they only went for like five days to, to record this. Exactly right, Scott. And, you know, the album debuted, so the album was released, sorry, on the 24th of July, 2001. It did debut and peak at 253, but it's really important to note that that was the same week that NSYNC had released Celebrity, which was their big, you know, album after No Strings Attached, a lot of pressure. All of Jai's focus was on that. And around the same time, you also had the Princess Diaries soundtrack, which featured Claire's favourite song, Happy Go Lucky. (laughs) 
and that peaked at 84. Part of me kind of wonders, would they not have been better to go with that as the lead single and see what could have happened there? Because it really had that Radio Disney effect, you know, so they would have had that support um, from that end. And it was so, it was really kid-friendly. It was on a big, you know, major movie. Maybe when you look back at it, probably would have made a little bit more sense to lead with that instead. Probably right, Scott, but unfortunately that's not quite what happened. Instead, as we mentioned earlier, we got the brand new track, Mars and Venus. Just like Mars and Venus. Just like, just, just like, I was made for you. I love this song. Like, I think it's such a beautiful song. I love the sort of lead vocals from Faye on that song. But it always has confused me a bit because it was released as a radio-only single, so there was no physical release, which wasn't uncommon in America back then. A lot of things were just radio-only, and if they made impact, they would still chart. I can kind of see because, obviously, by this point, the album had been out in um, at least the UK for, you know, maybe closing in on a year. So they wanted to kind of have something new on there that was a bit different for the American market. But it, I would have loved to have seen a little bit more of a push with this song because I think it, it could have done well from them if there was just a little bit more focus on it, but it kind of came and went pretty quickly. It was just an issue of timing. You know, at that time, August, you know, they had just started promoting Chain Reaction. They were probably trying to get ticket sales for the Gold Tour. I also think that there was another single that could have been released, which we'll go into shortly. But for Mars and Venus, I just think it's a pleasant song. I think it's interesting, though, that they went with a song that didn't make the UK album as well. I don't know whether that was because it was exclusive or because the band thought it was too alienating for their main fan base. Because it is a bit of a different sound. You know, it's a bit of a slow hip-hop beat, which I don't know if you guys hear, but like... I don't know if I hear hip-hop in this song. (laughs) I don't, yeah, I don't know if I hear hip hop. Steps do hip hop. Like R&B, sorry, I mean, a slow R&B beat, you know, like. I, I kind of see what you're saying. It's a, it's a different sound and maybe they were just trying to capture that American audience again with that slightly different sound that would might work better there. It's a, you, you I mean, your comment just then, you nailed it. It's a pleasant song. It's a pleasant song. I think with the with the album as well, because obviously the track listing is completely different to the UK. Mm. Interesting that they actually went with, you know, when Buzz was released in all other territories, it had that completely different, you know, that artwork where they were more moody and the sort of it was more black and white editorial. Yeah. It's interesting that in America they kept the UK artwork, you know, that very futuristic um vibe which was which is very american right like if you if you think about it it's very the styling is very american so you know from the get-go with this album i always felt that it was recorded with america in mind yes i always find it interesting as well that they kept if you believe off the american album 
because obviously that was co-written by Cindy Lauper. Mm. So that would have been the perfect and, and a perfect song to have on there to have that co-write to be able to kind of talk about that. And the other song that um, was left off the album is Paradise Lost, which is not only an incredible album track, but is so American that it's like it was there was a song right there that could have been perfect for the American release and it, it was left off. So I always found that a bit odd as well. So Brad, before you were talking about another song on the album that you thought could have been the American single, were you potentially talking about Here and Now? I think we all know I was talking about track seven. But... <laughs> so track seven on Bars America is Summer of Love. So it could have, you know, that would have been a good one. And it was summertime, but no, I was thinking of Here and Now and specifically... Uh, the recently released, it was in the vault for 20-odd years, the FAF mix of Here and Now. When you hear that, that was so done for America, whether it was done for a, a potential American single edit, but you listen to that version, that is so American. It's it's very NSYNC. NSYNC, yes. Yep, yep. It has America single all over it. 100%. Again, a bit odd that they didn't capitalize on that. Regardless, they didn't listen to stepsinternational.cjb.net. And their thoughts at the time. <laughs> so we didn't get that release as a single. I was too busy at that time because this actually, this, the release date of this was literally around the same time as Buzz was released in Australia. So I was too busy focusing on that. I couldn't have cared less about America at the time. I was too busy trying to get, make sure that Steps in Australia was doing something. 16th of July, I remember that date. It was also the date that Big Brother Australian season one had its finale. Fun fact. Wow, fun fact. I love that you remember that. I've got core memories of going to the Big, Bro- uh, Big Brother finale after party at the Metro nightclub and meeting the cast of Big Brother 1, like Sarah Marie and Blair and all that, doing the bum dance with Sarah Marie. Did you meet Johnny? As I wipe my lips, yes, I met Johnny. <laughs> um, no, I didn't. While Brad and I were sitting at home underage, like on Generation Steps forums, um, Shane was living life. <laughs> Chains out. Literally, literally. Good for you. Good for me, exactly. After Teen Nick and the release of Buzz, the band returned to the UK, did Chain Reaction, did the Gold Tour. Something might have happened around Boxing Day. We don't talk about it. After that, Jai put out the best of steps in on the 19th of March. My opinion is that Americans probably wouldn't get the Gold reference. I know ABBA was big, but maybe not big, quite big enough for that to make sense. Shane, one last little question for you, because... I'm not sure if you know this. Do you know what Steps' biggest market in the US was? No. <laughs> I'll take a stab at Guess in the Dark, New York. Ah, close. Second. Chicago was Steps' biggest market. Oh, okay. That's Dave from Chicago. That's the reason why. I was going to say, isn't that weird? Yeah. It, <laughs> it was him buying all the CDs and albums. Oh my God. Hilarious. It probably was. Like, it was on a press release. Chicago was Steps' biggest market in the US. Wow. The impact. That's awesome. Dave from Chicago. I had the pleasure of meeting Dave um, uh, in 2001 at the, sorry, 2021 at the 
what the future holds live tour um, at a couple of meet and greets. We randomly met each other. Um, and then I saw him again at Mighty Hoopla last year. We were front row <laughs> next to each other. He's become friends with Neil, who's another friend of the pod as well, um, who, uh, yes, yeah, steps connecting fans worldwide. We love it. We love to see it. That's actually it for this episode. I do want to quickly, and I have to give a massive shout out and thank you to Chris Fox at Gen Steps, as well as the Solo Steps News Archives. And if we can, we'll send share the links. They have amazing, comprehensive news archives from 1999 onwards mm-hmm. that we're able to use as sources for this episode. So massive thank you to both those websites for basically keeping the lights on and keeping those news news archives. They're fantastic. And the rest of the notes just came from Brad's brain. He's full of wisdom. Thanks for listening, everyone. It's been a great episode on discovering Steps' run in America. You can follow us on Instagram at GlitterStepsPod. You can follow me on Instagram at Stepmeister. You can follow, where can they follow you, Scott? They can follow me at stepscollection underscore on Instagram. Bradley, where can they follow you? They can follow me at Brad Schmeling on Instagram. And if you're lucky, maybe I'll post that picture of me as a sexy, slutty pizza. <laughs> <laughs> Don't forget to rate and subscribe. Um, please give us five stars. We love to see all the ratings. Thank you so much for all of them. And uh, we'll see you next time. See Bye, you. everyone. Bye. Bye.